You're listening to a Cyberwire podcast from N2K Networks, powered by Dragos. It's February 7th, 2024, and you're listening to Control Loop. In today's OT cybersecurity briefing, Volt Typhoon targets U.S. critical infrastructure. A ransomware attack against Johnson Controls cost $27 million. A bill would add ICS security to the President's Cup cybersecurity competition. Today, we have a special segment for our interview. Yesterday, Drago's CEO and founder Robert M. Lee testified at the hearing before the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection. We share Rob's opening remarks. The Learning Lab features the conclusion of the discussion between Mark Urban and Drago's Strategic Accounts Director, Sam Van Ryder, about building community in OT. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast and what you'd like to hear more about. Please take a few minutes to submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing operational technology industry. Reuters reports that the U.S. Justice Department and FBI disabled portions of a network of compromised devices that was being used by the China-linked threat actor Volt Typhoon to target U.S. critical infrastructure. Volt Typhoon had been forming a botnet by compromising vulnerable devices, including routers, modems, and IoT devices, in order to hide later intrusions into sensitive targets. FBI Director Christopher Wray told Congress last week that Volt Typhoon's activity is part of a wider strategy by the Chinese government to target U.S. critical infrastructure, including the power grid, water treatment facilities, and pipelines, in order to stage future destructive attacks. Ray stated, China's hackers are positioning on American infrastructure in preparation to wreak havoc and cause real-world harm to American citizens and communities if and when China decides the time has come to strike. They're not focused just on political and military targets. We can see from where they position themselves across civilian infrastructure that low blows are just a possibility in the event of a conflict. Low blows against civilians are part of China's plan. Drago CEO Robert M. Lee said in a media briefing last Tuesday that Volt Typhoon is also targeting U.S. satellite and telecommunication networks. Lee said the threat actor consistently chooses industrial targets, goes after those targets, and plays this low and slow game. Lee also predicts that if criminals are able to obtain off-the-shelf malware that targets industrial environments, physically destructive cyber attacks will become much more common. Dragos has published a report on ransomware in the industrial sector during the fourth quarter of 2023, finding that the LockBit 3.0 gang was responsible for 25% of attacks against industrial organizations last quarter. Manufacturing was the most targeted sector, accounting for 66% of ransomware attacks, with 135 reported incidents. The researchers note that business-impacting ransomware attacks in the fourth quarter of 2023 exhibited more severe impacts when compared to earlier quarters. 
A separate report from TX1 Networks on OT and ICS security warns that the recent accessibility of OT testbeds and protocols has aided malicious actors in the development of ready-made malware, opening the floodgates for cybercriminals who no longer need specialized training to conduct deadly attacks. The researchers found that 47% of organizations in the OT sector reported suffering ransomware attacks last year. While most of these incidents were against IT systems, 97% of the victims said OT environments were indirectly affected by downtime. The researchers note, the inherent focus of the OT sector on automation compared to IT makes it more vulnerable to significant operational and financial losses, even from brief downtimes. This vulnerability has made OT industries particularly attractive to cybercriminals as the high cost of operational disruption increases the likelihood of ransom payment. Johnson Controls International disclosed in an SEC filing that a ransomware attack the company sustained in September 2023 has cost the company $27 million in expenses so far, bleeping computer reports. Johnson Controls stated... The cybersecurity incident consisted of unauthorized access, data exfiltration, and deployment of ransomware by a third party to a portion of the company's internal IT infrastructure. The company adds that it expects to incur additional expenses associated with the response to and remediation of the incident throughout fiscal 2024, most of which the company expects to incur in the first half of the year. These expenses include third-party expenditures, including IT recovery and forensic experts and others performing professional services to investigate and remediate the incident, as well as incremental operating expenses incurred from the resulting disruption to the company's business operations. Schneider Electric has confirmed that its sustainability business division was disrupted by a ransomware attack, Silicon Republic reports. The company stated, From an impact assessment standpoint, the ongoing investigation shows that data have been accessed. As more information becomes available, the Sustainability Business Division of Schneider Electric will continue the dialogue directly with its impacted customers and will continue to provide information and assistance as relevant. Bleeping Computer says the attack occurred on January 17th and involved the cactus strain of ransomware. The U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control has sanctioned six officials in the Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps for their alleged involvement in targeting programmable logic controllers used by U.S. critical infrastructure facilities. The Treasury stated, The United States is taking action against these individuals in response to IRGC-affiliated cyber actors' recent cyber operations in which they hacked and posted images on the screens of programmable logic controllers manufactured by Unitronics, an Israeli company. Industrial control devices, such as programmable logic controllers, used in water and other critical infrastructure systems, are sensitive targets. Although this particular operation did not disrupt any critical services, unauthorized access to critical infrastructure systems can enable actions that harm the public and cause devastating humanitarian consequences. The U.S. House Energy and Commerce Environment Manufacturing and Critical Materials Subcommittee held a hearing last week on cyber attacks against water treatment facilities, Industrial Cyber Reports. Subcommittee Chair Buddy Carter, Republican from Georgia, stated, 
Rather than responding to these cybersecurity threats with one-size-fits-all regulatory standards that are costly and require and assume a level of technological sophistication to operate and maintain, we must focus on ways to increase cybersecurity collaboration within the water sector and opportunities for the Environmental Protection Agency and Department of Homeland Security to work jointly with these systems to achieve higher levels of cybersecurity. Cyber threats are not disappearing, and no amount of regulation, resources, or technical expertise can fully remove the threat. The U.S. Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee has approved the Industrial Control System Cybersecurity Competition Act, a bill that would expand the President's Cup cybersecurity competition to include OT and ICS security. The bill will now be voted on in the full Senate. The annual President's Cup cybersecurity competition held by CISA aims to identify, recognize, and reward the best cybersecurity talent in the federal executive workforce. Drago CEO and founder Robert M. Lee testified at the hearing before the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection on February 6, 2024. Here's Rob's opening statement before the committee. Robert Lee is Chief Executive Officer and co-founder of Dragos, a global technology leader in cybersecurity for OT. Mr. Lee also serves on the Department of Energy's Electricity Advisory Committee as a member of the World Economic Forum's subcommittees on cyber resilience for the oil and gas and electricity communities. He began his work in OT as a U.S. Air Force Cyber Warfare Operations Officer tasked to the National Security Agency. Throughout his career, he has supported analysis of some of the most significant cyber attacks on industrial infrastructure, including the 2021 Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Mr. Lee, I now recognize you for five minutes to summarize your opening statement. Chairman Garbarino, Ranking Member Swalwell, and members of the subcommittee, Thank you for providing me the opportunity to testify before you today. My name is Robert Lee, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Dragos, a leading OT cybersecurity technology provider. Today, water utilities and other critical infrastructure organizations find themselves in the front lines, defending against both state actors and criminal groups. They face growing threats, most importantly, into their OT or operational technology networks. These systems are the critical part of critical infrastructure. In 2018, I testified before Congress that Dragos tracked five state actors specifically focused on OT networks. Today, we track over 20 such groups, and my message has more urgency. My testimony focuses on three core points. First, there are fundamental differences between OT and IT networks. The biggest difference is the mission or business purpose of these systems. Generally, IT supports how you manage a business, where OT is the reason the business exists. They are the specialized computers and networks that interact with the physical world around us, including things like control pumps, chemical levels, and so forth at water treatment facilities. OT security is also unique from IT security. Most of our standards and regulations and best practices simply apply IT security controls to OT without considering whether or not they should be applied. This results in wasted resources and operational disruptions. OT security instead should focus on unique OT security controls and adopt from IT security only when it makes sense, such as those in the SANS Institute's ICS-5 critical controls. My second point is that cyber threat landscape for OT has shifted irreversibly. More standardized infrastructure has brought efficiencies, a homogenous infrastructure to manage. 
but it's also opened the door for reusable, scalable capabilities that can be used across sectors. In 2022, Dragos worked with our partners as well as closely with the United States government to identify and analyze a state actor capability or malicious software called PipeDream. It was the first reusable capability to cause the ability for disruptive as well as destructive capabilities across industrial equipment. This class of capabilities will increase the frequency of high consequence attacks we observe. There's a victory here as well. Dragos and his partners worked with federal agencies to report out to the broader infrastructure community prior to the capability being employed. It's one of the most significant public-private partnership wins of all time for OT security. My third point is that public and private sectors must work together to secure water security and water sector operational technology. For federal agencies, this means providing clear and consistent guidance to the industry that identifies specific requirements they need to support such as realistic threat scenarios and opportunities to exercise them. When it comes to regulation, the government must harmonize across frameworks and use an outcome-based approach that defines why they are concerned, what the outcome is that we are driving towards, and leaves the how to the private sector. Or simply stated, give us the requirements, not the answers. Government resources also should not be directed to programs that replicate technologies and services already available in the private sector. A good example is the Department of Energy's cyber-informed engineering that operates in an area where there is no market and rethinks how we design the energy system to engineer out some of the cyber risk. The water sector resources need to be made available as well. As an example, at Dragos, we launched a program called the Community Defense Program, which gives all U.S.-based utilities with under 100 million in resources and under 100 million in annual revenue free access forever to our tech and resources. And yet, most water sites will never be able to take advantage of this. Even something as simple as a $3,000 one-time investment at water utilities for basic hardware and networking gear is almost impossible due to budget limitations and overly difficult spending approval processes that aren't informed by appropriate cybersecurity knowledge. Taxpayer-funded government assessments or further federal investments to develop the next great technology acutely miss the need. Small municipal water and wastewater facilities need direct resourcing. In conclusion, I have so much optimism that what we all can do together will work. We know what to do, oftentimes it's as simply as making it happen. However, a major shift must take place in order to solve the underlying economic issue that happens at our local water facilities. Together, we can figure out a way to make sure that those bad actors do not impact our local communities. I would very much love for my children to grow up in a world with safe water and electricity. Again, we know how to do it, but we must work together to get it done with an OT-first mindset and all playing to our strengths. I sincerely thank the subcommittee for providing me the opportunity to testify today and welcome any questions or requests for additional information as we go on. That's Drago's CEO and founder, Robert M. Lee, speaking before the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection. On this episode's Learning Lab, Mark Urban is joined by Drago's Strategic Accounts Director, Sam Van Ryder, to conclude their discussion of building community in OT. Hi, I'm Mark Urban, again with the Learning Lab. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about community building in the cyber world, uh, specifically for critical infrastructure. 
Uh, I'm joined today by Sam Van Ryder, who's a strategic account advisor here at Dragos. In your day-to-day, when you're talking to CISOs and security architects, is that a lot of the education that you bring to them, even though it's their company, your perspective? I mean, tell us a little bit about how that conversation sometimes goes. There's a lot of different aspects of that conversation, and it kind of depends on the day and what the topic of discussion is. You know, it can go for everywhere from top level of you know, leveraging the five critical controls for for OT to, you know, building a program. Like how to, if I'm going to, you know, deploy any sort of monitoring tech, how do I bring that into my SOC and how do I make that effective? Because you're talking about opening a floodgate to something that they may, that first of all, they may not understand and B, they don't have the resources to address. So how do you edge into that slowly but surely? But it's also engagement into uh, those communities. That's often where you start, right? Where I say, hey, look, you need to bring those donuts and tacos and whatnot out to the plant and have a conversation with folks and get to know who's at the plant you know, what they do. Uh, I mean, it's part of understanding your business. And we've often done that well on the cyber side in other areas, in other industries. But when it comes to oil and gas and utilities and things like that, it's getting a lot better, by the way. I don't want to say it's it's horrible or anything like that. It's There's amazing companies doing amazing things, but there's still a lot more work to be done. So it's really, you know, a lot of the conversations I have are, hey, you know, understand the impacts of this. You know, the, when you talk about risk, I mean, it's it's not just the cyber risk, it's these other pieces to the business that, as an example, I had a conversation with a company some time ago, many years ago, where, and this is hard to, to hear, but the CFO has an, a number on a life. Like they know what that costs the company. If somebody loses uh, a life, they, they lose employees, they know what that's gonna cost a company. And that's a hard reality of business. Don't get me wrong. They don't want to have to, you know, deal with that. But uh, so the risk is usually in the favor of spending to prevent that kind of thing. And so this is why safety is such a big deal in oil and gas. And you get the safety briefings at the beginning of the meetings and things like that. But those conversations can be all over the map. But at the core, we do talk a lot about where they stand today and where they're going and making sure they de- they're developing those relationships with the plants. Is it, you know, as you're speaking, is it like a big haunted house in their town that they don't want to kind of unlock the door because they don't know what they'll find? Or it's not universal, of course. You said there are people doing, there are organizations doing great things and making that protection. But do you find that there's a, a resistance or just a complete lack of understanding? How often do you run into that? Well, I think a lot of times it's, um, it's historical politics. And, and when I say politics, I'm not saying it's some nefarious grand scheme of company takeover stuff. It's more of, hey, look, I'm, I'm a plant manager. I've run this plant. I have my KPIs. I do well with them. I'm reaching the KPIs. You know, we're getting the outputs done. We have a great safety record. Why are you trying to impose something else? That's on that side, on all the cyber side. You know, a lot of the CISOs I talk to is they're, they're starting to get their arms around what that means. What do these plants do? How do they engage? The ones that I see most successful, again, come back down to developing those relationships with those plant managers and ha- making sure they understand. Because there's a history of cyber doing things that they probably shouldn't have in, in these environments, right? We all have a story of a scan that went bad and bricked the PLC or did something that impacted an environment's performance. You're going to have that plant manager say, no, you're not coming back in here to do this again because it impacts what we're trying to do as a business. So uh, it does come down to the business at the end of the day, and you need to develop those relationships with those with those folks. So I don't want to say it's something that they don't want to. They, they're eager to do it. Um, 
but they're also, you know, in a lot of cases, they just need some guidance as to how to, to start that process. And it's super simple, actually, in my mind. It's, it's developing the relationships. It's understanding who they are and making sure you get what's important to them. Because ending cyber at the firewall outside the plant isn't going to do it anymore. We're way beyond that now. It's making that bridge and building the relationships to better understand each other to then come to a reasonable approach to securing those very critical kind of environments. That's good insight, especially when you're in a day-to-day. As you look at the community, how has it changed in the Houston area over the last couple of years on the OT focus side? It's accelerated. And uh, in a really good way. So we're seeing a lot more of these programs happen. We're seeing people more, and and some of it's regulatory driven, like you have the TSA directives, you have, you know, in in Houston, we actually have four uh, major utilities that have presence here. Um, So you have the NERC SIP regulations. We've been around for a while, but those things also help drive awareness on both sides of the fence there. We've seen more, I've seen um, colleges, for example, uh, Houston Christian University, formerly known as Houston Baptist, uh, has a great program on cyber engineering. Um, And this is new for our community, but it's super important. It's teaching these kids a great path to get into the OT cyber world and do good things. So there's a lot more happening. And obviously, HoustonCon, we're doing our part to try to educate people and and make sure they're brought into the fold. There is a lot more awareness. Um, The conversations I've had with CISOs, they're, they're further down the path than many others that I've talked to that may not be in Houston. And it's our environment. Anybody's gone down Beltway or on um, on the Grand Parkway on the east side of town, you look out there and see that sea of pipes and, and tanks and things like that, which is, for me, an absolutely beautiful sight. That is uh, a sight of productivity and, and energy and great things. Um, we're actually now addressing it, and it's because people have driven the urgency. And whether that's from the board down or just a general awareness um, and the opportunity to build bigger programs and, and better programs, more efficient programs, I think that's a lot of a, a great challenge too. But if you talk about an energy company, they're going to put funding in those areas, right? Those are core to the business, right? So it's a lot easier for somebody, an oil and gas company to get that than maybe somebody that might be in retail and needs to do building automation systems. If you were to then say that somebody is in a community, not Houston, uh, that wanted to start to develop community, where would they start? Any thoughts on how they could get started in that area? For me, the easiest way, um, it's going to come from things that already exist. So I always tell folks, and like when I talk to college kids coming out of school or people wanting to get in the industry, go join InfraGuard. It's free. It's a way to meet local folks in your community. Find those people in those meetings that also have the same type of focus um, on OT and engage with them. It's usually easier to do this as a team. There are other elements like B-sides that have playbooks. I mean, you could do a B-sides that could be OT focused or you could have some OT elements in it. I think if you're in a a community that has a lot of cyber and doesn't have a lot of OT, you'd want to blend, but you want to bring that awareness I think those are some of the easy ways to do it without having to spend a huge amount of effort and time or or money for that matter. There's some other smaller organizations that are out there too that are trying to help facilitate these conversations. Some of them are a little bit more pay to play type thing, membership type stuff. But um, there are other organizations you can join like ISA or CS2AI, things like that that are out there that you can join to also get connected with folks. In my mind, I'm hoping that this OTSECON turns out well We've already had people ask across the country if they could host something similar, and we'd love to develop the playbook and hand it off kind of like a B-sides and say, hey, yeah, you want this in Calgary? You want this in Atlanta? Great. Well, here's here's what you do. 
right? But I also encourage, you know, connect with us on HUSECON and, and I'm always out there. So I'd love to, to have folks have questions. I'm always open and I, you know, love to hear from folks on LinkedIn and things like that. I'm pretty active there. Um, but there's a lot of us out there in the community that want to see more people join. We know that this needs to grow. If you see somebody talking about OT out there on social media, connect and ask questions. It's a great, great way to get into it. I think I'll make sure I mention right now that if you're an asset owner or operator, if you work on that side, Dragos also has a uh, community building uh, OT cert, which is our Dragos cert that's focused on OT. And we just announced a, if you're a small utility uh, that's struggling to get uh, the equipment or the software rather to help secure your facilities, uh, Dragos just announced the community defense program uh, a couple weeks ago. And you can find more about that on dragos.com, CDP or community defense program. Sam, Houston, security, OT, community. Thanks for your time. And that's Control Loop, brought to you by the CyberWire and powered by Dragos. For links to all of today's stories, check out our show notes at thecyberwire.com. Sound design for this show is done by Elliot Peltzman, with mixing by Trey Hester. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our Dragos producers are Joanne Roche, Mark Urban, and Montserrat Thomason. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next time.